Well, it's officially portal time in college football. How the transfer portal across multiple teams in college football and even one SEC West foe could affect LSU's 2022 football class. Plus, LSU basketball hits the road, takes on Texas A&M tonight. Everything that you need to know about the Aggies on this edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On LSU podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On LSU, where you can get updates on the podcast and get notified as soon as those videos drop. So make sure to do that as well. I am Caroline Fenton, and I am your host. I'm a diehard LSU fan. I'm an LSU alum, and I'm currently a sports talk radio host for ESPN Radio here in Nashville, Tennessee at 102.5 The Game. But I saw a tweet today from Texas A&M basketball Twitter account that said, we need this one. Let's get it. It was a graphic with all the information for the LSU game tonight. Well, get in line, Texas A&M, because so does LSU. LSU also needs this one. And they need it bad. So first and foremost, we will get in to how LSU basketball can beat Texas A&M and why I'm a little bit nervous about this game and what it could mean for LSU basketball moving forward. But make sure that you follow me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1. Also follow Locked on LSU on Twitter at Locked on LSU. We'll also be doing a mailbag on Wednesday. So make sure to send in those questions. You can send them to my personal Twitter account at CarolineFenton1. DM me. Just you know, send me a tweet through there. You can send them to the Locked On LSU Twitter account. You can comment them on the on the YouTube videos. I'll be checking the comments on there as well. So make sure to get those those questions in for the Mailbag Wednesday. I'll be answering questions, whatever questions you may have, whether it be LSU basketball, LSU football, this recruiting class, transfer portal, NIL, me, myself, personally, if you have any questions about me, if you want to get to know me, this will be my very first Mailbag Wednesday. So anything that y'all want to know about my experience at LSU, my experience in radio, whatever it may be, I'm happy to answer any and all of your questions to make sure to get those in. But like I mentioned, LSU on the road at Texas A&M tonight. Remember the last time that LSU played A&M in basketball? It was was simpler times. Brandon Murray had a 21-point game. LSU beat the Aggies 70-64. to But... LSU continues to slip. Ever since then, it was loss after loss, and LSU has now lost six of their last seven. And we've seen a lot of the same issues in the past six losses in the past seven games. Slow starts, no offense, can't stop threes. Vandy's sunk 13 threes, 13 of 31 for 42%. LSU had zero offensive rebounds in the first half. LSU was only 3 of 14 for about 21% from three. LSU scored just... 25 points in the first half, finished the first half down 18. That was all against Vanderbilt. It hasn't been great for LSU basketball so far. This is what head coach Will Wade had to say following the loss at Vanderbilt. The game plan was to choke them off from three. 
and we overhelped. We just we did not carry out the game. We 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 did close out yesterday in practice for the first time and probably for the first time in a while. And we just we had poor closeouts. We overhelped. We helped when we didn't need to. And you know, I mean, uh, ten students shooting forty one percent coming into the game. We just leave them wide open. Chapman's a known three point shooter, thirty five percent career three point shooter. Just leave them wide open. So, um, you know, I mean. You're not beating any teams doing that. No, you're not. And Will Wade went on to say, you know, what are the root of a lot of these issues? You know, why aren't you getting a single offensive rebound in the first half against Vanderbilt? He said it himself. That's an effort issue. And that's exactly what it is. They're not willing to get under the net and they're not willing to get in there and get physical to make some changes within these games. And why are you leaving a known three-point shooter completely wide open to take plenty of shots from the distance against Vanderbilt? It's an effort issue. It's attention to detail. And I mentioned it a bit on the podcast yesterday, but I want to go a little bit deeper in that today because attention to detail and effort, while Will Wade isn't the one wearing a purple and gold jersey and isn't the one battling for rebounds and isn't the one making shots, ultimately this team's shortcomings fall on his shoulders. So why is there a quote unquote lack of effort in this team? That falls on the head coach. Why are they overlooking important details that have proven themselves to be game-changing details in the fact that they left a known three-point shooter completely open just to take threes all day, shoot threes all day, and that's exactly what Vanderbilt did. That ultimately falls on the head coach. And I know basketball is different than football. But I seem to remember a certain Ed Orgeron who won a national championship in 2019 and lost his job halfway through the season, two seasons after. Because there's a standard of excellence at this school. And losing six of your last seven games, a majority of them being SEC games, that falls on the coach. So where is the standard of excellence that's upheld in football? Where is the standard of excellence that's upheld in women's basketball? I mean, I seem to remember a change being made pretty recently within women's basketball that has completely changed the way that this program is going. I'm not calling for Will Wade's job because I don't think that that's appropriate at this time. But I'm not feeling the same sense of urgency toward Will Wade that we may have felt toward Cocho. And what's the breaking point? At what point is it, you know, he's general weight, he's our guy, you know, strong ass offers. At what point does he stop becoming our guy that we sport on t-shirts and our guy that we get to boast because, you know, his confidence just oozes through his pores and it's something that we love and we love to embrace. But at what point is, you know, his snarky remarks in a post-game press conference that we've all grown to know and love, at what point are you asking for more from this coach? Because there was a standard that was set when he, not just when he came in, but also at the beginning of the season. LSU was red hot at the beginning of the season. LSU was incredibly exciting to watch at the beginning of the season. And this drop-off, albeit you can point to several different things, injuries being very much so one of them, but is that not the role of the head coach 
to get this team regrouped and to get this team back on track. They're not going to win every single game. You're going to drop a few games here and there. You're probably going to drop a few games here and there to teams that you weren't supposed to drop games to. But at this point, it's becoming a trend. So I ask the question, when will it be enough for LSU basketball fans to start to turn on Will Wade? Again, I'm not saying his job should be in question. I'm not saying that he should be on the hot seat, but I do wonder where is that threshold between acceptable and unacceptable for an LSU head coach? And I believe we're getting dangerously close to that unacceptable threshold. And that threshold could lie in the game tonight against Texas A&M. Here's what you need to know about Texas A&M they really resemble LSU a bit from where we stand in the season so far. AM's won seven, one of its first nine games, was on a hot streak at the beginning of the season, followed that up with an eight-game winning streak that began on December 18th against Oregon State. Like I said, like LSU, came out of the gates hot, but AM's also on a losing streak after most recently losing to Missouri on Saturday. Their losing streak is up to six games. That is their longest losing streak in program history since the 2003-2004 season. Texas A&M looks eerily similar to LSU. They're 15-8, and 4-6 and six in the SEC, identical numbers to LSU in the SEC. So I go back to their tweet that I saw earlier. We need this one. Let's get it. Well, so does LSU and so does Will Wade. Because I think that this game, and I hate to put too much real estate in a single game, but I think I'm more so putting real estate in this streak, and I'm putting the finish line right here. That this game very much so could define what this team is. If you lose to three bad SEC teams in a row, to Ole Miss and then Vanderbilt and then Texas A&M, and I'm going to call them like bad teams because their stats and their numbers are not up there with the Kentuckys and the Auburns of the SEC. So if you lose to three of those teams in a row, what does that make you? Does that not make you a bad team? Losing to three of those below average teams in the SEC? At what point do you stop settling for losses to Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and potentially Texas A&M? If you want to be like the Kentuckys, and the Auburns of the SEC. I think Will Wade, abs- I hate to say a must-win game because I really don't, I don't, I don't like to label a regular season game as a must-win game. I think that you know playoff games are must-win games, so on and so forth. But this game is so incredibly important to win because if you don't turn it around now, then when will you? This game could be the differentiating factor between what side of this season is LSU going to be defined as? Are they going to be defined ultimately at the end of the season by this hot first half, this this team that was so exciting to watch? Or will they be defined by the most recent half of this season, losing six of its last seven, making sloppy mistakes, slow starts, a defense that has dropped off significantly? A loss to A&M continues this cycle of just mediocrity. A win against A&M at least gets you back on track. And no, it's not a win against Arizona. And no, it's not a win against Baylor or Kansas or some of the best college basketball teams in the country. It's not even close to that. 
but it's a step in the right direction. And at this point, I don't think that any LSU basketball fans are asking for anything cute or anything fancy. We're just asking for a win. Get this team back on track because the doubters are going to start doubting pretty soon if you don't. Coming up next, switching to the LSU football side of things, tight end is a position of need for the Tigers, and there might just be one available who this coaching staff knows pretty well. We'll get into that in the next segment, but before we do that, I want to let you know that Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game on Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Football's not your thing. If you want to put money on something else, no problem. BetOnline has you covered. They've got up-to-the-minute information on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, you name it, they've got it along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the new and amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Former Notre Dame tight end George Takis enters the transfer portal. Why does that matter? Is Brent Kelly looking to bring in some of his old talent from South Bend to Baton Rouge? We'll get into that. But before we do that, I will let you know that it is Super Week brought to you by Get Upside. And there is no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked on Bengals and Locked on Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game, so make sure to check out Locked on NFL podcast, Locked on Bengals podcast, and the Locked on Rams podcast for all of your most recent up-to-date and hard-hitting updates from the Super Bowl in L.A. But like I mentioned, tight end is very much so a position of need for LSU. Of course you have Jack Besh, a name that we all know and love, but I can only assume that he's going to continue to play kind of that hybrid wide receiver tight end role, maybe even fill into a full-time wide receiver role. I mean, through and through, he is a slot guy, which leaves, you know, that you want to cater to his strengths, but that leaves a lot of open holes for the rest of that tight end position, needed a blocking position as well. And missing out on Danny Lewis on National Signing Day definitely was a hit. That I, It was a, honestly a recruit that I kind of expected to come into LSU. So that leaves another hole at this tight end position. I mean, you've got the veterans, Cole Taylor. You've got Jack, Mash, Jack Mashburn. You've also got Mason Taylor who signed in the 2022 recruiting class. But the tight end position is missing you know, a certified playmaker with enough experience. So that's exactly where George Takis could potentially come in. Of course, leaving Notre Dame, like I mentioned. But who is he exactly? He's a four-star recruit out of Florida, came into Notre Dame out of the 2018 class. He spent three years in South Bend. He totaled his career in South Bend, totaled eight receptions for 78 yards and two touchdowns. He was in South Bend for three seasons, out his freshman year. And he was also in a long line of starting tight ends at Notre Dame. If you don't know, Notre Dame is 
very well known as Tide End University, which is another reason why this is potentially so incredibly important is because Brian Kelly loves to use tight ends. I mean, you look at some of the, the at, you know, Notre Dame players in the NFL now, products of Brian Kelly. You look at Tyler Eifert, who was a first-round pick in 2013. You look at Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. Most recently, Tommy Trumbull, who was taken in the third round of the draft. Notre Dame was tight end university. Notre Dame is tight end university. And Notre Dame is the kind of place where you go that if you're a tight end and you want to make it in the NFL and you want to be a first-round draft pick, Brian Kelly and Notre Dame is the place where you can get that done. So I can only assume that George Tack is looking at his at his his options, leaving Notre Dame because he was really going to play more of a of a tight end two position there. And after three seasons, he's looking for a larger role, and that's exactly what he can get at LSU. He has two years of eligibility remaining, so he's able to come into LSU and give a solid amount of time and a solid amount of effort and be able to produce enough at LSU with his remaining eligibility. You know, it's no guarantee that that's where he's going to end up. Not every player is going to follow their former coach. But he's familiar with the head coach at LSU. He's working with a head coach and with an offensive coordinator. Let's not forget, this offensive coordinator loves to use a multi-tight end set. He could come in, start right away, no longer be in the shadow and the long lines of a ton of really talented tight ends at Notre Dame. George Takis is looking for a place to play and to play now. I mean, the kid's a monster. He's 6'7", could absolutely come in here and be a mismatch for any defender at that size. But also, not only is he looking for a place to play, LSU needs a tight end. Let Jack Besh focus on the wide receiver side of things. Don't try and reinvent the wheel with him. Cater to what he's best at, and that is pass catching. George Takis can come in, fill that hole, add some tight end depth, Keep an eye on him in the next couple of weeks because LSU still has four transfer portal slots to fill. If we've seen any of Brian Kelly's offseason priorities in this 2022 offseason, his first offseason as head coach at LSU, we have learned that he wants to build the team through the transfer portal. Already has 13 players signed through the transfer portal, has four more slots to fill. And while those recruits are so incredibly important, I can only assume that he's thinking, all right, let's get some some veteran guys in here and then the recruits will come. Getting a guy that he knows, getting one of his own guys could expedite that, pri- that process exponentially. So George Takis, keep an eye on that guy because he very much so could be a tight end for the Tigers coming up in the 2022 season. But there's also been another team that has been in the headlines because of the transfer portal but not necessarily in a good way. What is going on over on the Plains and how can LSU benefit from it? We'll get into that coming up next. But I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock up all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless, seemingly intimidating questioning You know, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't know. I get asked all these questions, and admittedly, I know nothing about cars. So whenever I'm asked about my oil type or the way that the engine runs, I don't really have a clear question. So wait while the other person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer. You're choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry, which happens to also be pretty expensive. 
you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and, and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. They have brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So I was having an issue with my car not too long ago. The battery just kept dying. So I went to rockauto.com and they helped me out. They got to the bottom of the issue of what was going on with my car. And now it runs like a charm. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Just like I did with my Volkswagen Beetle. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com check it out so what's going on at auburn first and foremost and also how can lsu capitalize on it how can they take advantage of some of the dysfunction that we've been hearing going on in the auburn football program but again quick little reset you're listening to the locked on lsu podcast Thank you for making the Lockdown LSU podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to the Lockdown LSU YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One and also at Lockdown LSU. I'll be dropping podcast updates daily on both of those accounts. So make sure to give us a follow there. But Auburn football released a statement today addressing all of the rumors surrounding their football program. The release says the Auburn administration is judiciously collecting information from a variety of perspectives, including our student athletes and moving swiftly to understand any issues in accordance with university policies and procedure. Decisions regarding the future of Auburn and its athletics programs, as always, are made in the interests of our great university and fairness to all connected. We do not make institutional decisions based on social media posts or media headlines. All right. So that's what we heard from Auburn football today. You may be saying, what in the world even started all of this? If you haven't heard, here is what you missed. Because it's been a wild couple of weeks. It's just been like a month of just dysfunction in Auburn football. But here's what you missed. Their offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, was fired. His replacement, Austin Davis, left after just a month so for personal reasons. Defensive coordinator Derek Mason left. He went from Auburn to Oklahoma State. And when I saw this move, it raised a little bit of an eyebrow because Oklahoma State is, at best, a lateral move. So, if not even a step down. So, what's the point of Derek Mason, you know, uprooting his life in Auburn and uprooting his job at Auburn that he's established and going somewhere else that isn't necessarily a job upgrade? Red flag. Also, Defensive line coach Nick Eason left for other jobs. So you've got three coaches that have left in the past month. Auburn didn't sign a single recruit on National Signing Day last week. Red flag. A team that, it's an SEC West team, and then you compete in the best division in college football. What, what player wouldn't want to play, wouldn't want to take advantage of an opportunity like that? Red flag. 19 players have entered the transfer portal. Red flag. Especially considering it's following what really wasn't a bad season. I mean, Auburn went 6-7. and seven. Granted, that's a losing record. But they came within inches of beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Auburn started off strong with a 6-2 and two record. I mean, I personally looked at Auburn and said, okay, a losing record. It's a first-year head coach. They really saw... 
flashes of being a solid team. I thought Brian Harson's job was safe. But what's going on to drive out all of those coaches and players? Surely it cannot just be a coincidence. Take a look into kind of what's been going on at Auburn over the past couple of months. Smoke Monday, probably a name that you've heard plenty of times, a graduating safety coming out of Auburn, posted on Instagram and said that Brian Harson can't understand kids that come from nothing. He says Harson is a hell of a coach that wants to win, but as kids, we try our best to outgrow where we came from, but we need people that didn't grow up the way we grow up to help us. A little bit of a cryptic message there, but ultimately my takeaway is great coach, but to be a college head coach, you play a lot of, you wear a lot of different hats. You're not just a coach, but you're also offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, moral leader, dad, brother, uncle. You play a role in these kids' lives that's different than really in, than in the NFL. You're a leader for these guys. You're a moral leader for these guys. You're a confidant for your players. A lot of these players may have come from a really unfortunate situation where they didn't have the kind of leadership or mentorship that the way would be provided in college football. And according to Smoke Monday, that's not what Brian Harson brought them. But it's not just Smoke Monday. Defensive lineman Lee Hunter, who just recently transferred to UCF following his former coach Gus Malzahn, said, The reason I chose to leave Auburn was because we got treated like we wasn't good enough and like dogs. Coach Harson has the true mindset for a winner, but has a terrible mindset as a person. Kind of reinforcing the same thing that Smoke Monday said. You know, a hell of a coach, wants to win, has the mentality of a winner, but he's just not a good guy. Wide receiver Kobe Hudson, who also left Auburn to go to UCF, also following his former coach Gus Malzahn, said, He's from the North. I understood him. I'm from the South. He didn't understand me. Brian Harson is from Boise, Idaho. Sounds like there is such a huge gap between Brian Harson and his players. He can't relate to his players. And yeah, he can get it done with the X's and O's. And yeah, you can win a good bit of games that way. But if your players don't trust you, if your players feel like you aren't treating them with adequate respect, they're going to give up on you real quickly. And 19 of them already have. Because 19 of them, 19 of those players want to get the hell out of whatever is happening on the planes. I read this article from the Montgomery Advisor that said multiple sources said that Brian Harson would not speak to players he didn't like when he wanted them out of the program. He would cut off correspondence with the player and family members. What? If that is not some toxic type of stuff, I mean, think about like your best friend or even yourself. If you've been in a toxic relationship, that's what, that's what exactly what that sounds like is, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a significant other gaslighting you. They're mad at you. So they're going to cut you off and they're not going to text you for the rest of the day because they're mad at you. What type of immature and toxic and gross environment, if this is true, you know, this is reported from the Montgomery Advisor, according to multiple sources from the Montgomery Advisor, that Brian Harson is just going to essentially ghost his players if he wants them out of the room? Now, Auburn would seem like a solution simple, all right? It's a culture of dysfunction. Fire him, bring him a new coach, turn the culture around. That's kind of what we saw what happened at LSU. 
They saw the culture of the football program was going down a path they didn't want it to go down. So you, you cut it off right there. There's a caveat to that. Brian Harson's buyout is $18.2 million for firing without cause. So if Auburn wants to fire him without cause, Auburn will be paying almost $40 million in just over a year, in 14 months, to coaches who aren't coaching their team. So can Auburn really afford to part ways with Brian Harson? You can fire him without cause, dish out $40 million in just over a year, and coaches who aren't even doing anything to help your football program. They can try to fire him with cause, but I can only imagine that Brian Harson has enough legal proceedings and legal support to be able to make life a living hell for the Auburn Athletic Department if they do decide to fire him for cause. But, okay, I'm talking a lot about Auburn. You're probably thinking, okay, get on with it. What does this mean for LSU? And I'll tell you. If he stays, cha-ching, cha-ching, transfer portal. 19 players have already entered the transfer portal. And if Brian Harson does decide to stay, I can only imagine that there are going to be more dominoes that fall, more players that decide to say, hey, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. I'm not dealing with you ghosting my roommate because he had a bad day at practice. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to LSU. Could happen. But there are some players who haven't announced where their next stop will be. They look at Drishon Miller. Three-star recruit coming out of high school. Cornerback. What's a position of need? Defensive back for LSU. Eric Reed. Another three-star corner. What's in of need for LSU? Defensive line. Marcus Robinson, who has yet to decide where he his next steps will be. Hmm. Would be nice for LSU. Maybe a little a bit of defensive line. LSU's not going to sweep up all these recruits. I understand that. I understand that offensive line and tight end are also positions of need. Other positions that LSU is going to have to fish for through the transfer portal. But like I said, who's to say more dominoes won't fall? Who's to say there's going to be more really talented and quality players that enter the transfer portal out of Auburn that LSU can't pick up? I mean, I said yesterday, you can't. Build your entire roster forever through the transfer portal because chances are those players just aren't good enough to start elsewhere. And that's fine. This is a good, really good start for Brian Kelly's first season at LSU. But this might have nothing to do with their opportunities at their current school, and it has everything to do with the dysfunction elsewhere. So you can get some starter quality players through the transfer portal. If they see what's going on in Auburn and Auburn decides to not make any moves and they want to get the hell out of there. But there's another option here. If he does go, if Auburn decides to either fire them for cause and it's not a legal battle, or if Auburn decides to just bite the bullet, fire him, dish out the $18.2 million and say, okay, we'll figure it out later. But the most important thing is maintaining the culture of our, of our football program. I get it. Then Auburn will have a head coach who comes in after National Signing Day, will have a class full of not-their-own guys right before spring practice and try and turn the culture of the program around. That's a vulnerable Auburn team, and a vulnerable Auburn team puts LSU in an even better position in the West. I'm not going to say LSU is, you know, a first-tender I don't think that they are because this is a first year with a new head coach. You know, they could win 
eight or nine games for sure. But I, I don't really see it going beyond that. I don't see being an SEC championship type of season for LSU, and that's fine. We don't need to expect that from Brian Kelly's first season. But a Bowburn team and a win in the SEC West, I'll take it. So some dysfunction going on over at Auburn. We'll continue to follow some upcoming Auburn to do all of y'all updated throughout the week. But that is going to do it for me. Appreciate you and thank you for making the Lockdown LSU podcast your first listen every day. Coming up tomorrow, I'll recap LSU's road trip to Texas A&M. Hopefully have some good news for you finally. And we'll also get into some of the biggest news stories of LSU football of the day. I appreciate you for making LSU Locked on LSU your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tiger fans, I appreciate you and I'll see you tomorrow.